Hello and welcome to today's Born Human podcast. Thank you as ever for joining us today. I am privileged to introduce to you Mrs. Lucy Burnford. Lucy is somebody who I have huge admiration and respect for. She has more entrepreneurial spirit than anyone I've ever met and yet she balances it with motherhood and all the things that come with that. I really wanted here to get an insight into what it's like to do your own thing for as long as she has, what the highs and lows are of that and some of the things that she's been through that I think when you start out on your own doing anything, what are some of the unseen things and the unforeseen things that you might come across? As with all these podcasts, they're not about comparing someone else's journey to your own. What they are is about getting an insight into what someone else's journey has been like and often finding common ground. So for those of you who do work for yourself or are thinking of working for yourself, then hopefully this offers some insight that is relatable and connectable. Thank you very much to Lucy for joining us and I'll leave you to the two of us having a conversation. Welcome to today's Born Human podcast. Today I'm joined by my lovely friend Lucy Burnford who I've been lucky enough to know for a good few years now. Um, Lucy's someone who's been exceptionally helpful to me over my, my lifespan of deciding that I decided I need to be an entrepreneur and change my lifestyle um and when thinking about this podcast she was someone that really sprung to mind in that Lucy's never taken the straightforward path to a career and she's always been had the courage to kind of do her own thing and having been on my own journey a little bit with that in recent years what I was interested to understand was her experience of that in becoming a mum and how she juggles that and some of the challenges that's presented. So, welcome, Lucy. Hi, thanks. Pleasure to have you on. Thanks, Harry. Um So, yeah, we're, we've kind of just been talking quite a lot, and we've covered probably quite a lot of conversation before this. We have, which has but we been didn't really record nice. it. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. It was called a, a warm-up. Um, so, yeah, we're in contrast to most of them, let's talk about kind of how your, your choice of career started and where you went. So where, where did it all start for you? What were you th- when you came away from university, what was that for you? So I'd always, since I was a child, wanted to be a theatre actress or do musical theatre, ridiculously. Um, and I did a master's at RADA. I did an English degree at Exeter and then I did a master's at RADA. And during that time, I was living in London as a student, broke and worked at loads of events, you know, kind of waitressing, etc. anything that came along, temp jobs, to try and, you know, pay my rent, etc. And that basically evolved into my first business. So I didn't set it up intentionally, but I was working at an event, talking to a sponsor of that event, um, you know, being quite um, confident in uh, what I was suggesting. I basically made some recommendations to him as a sponsor, what I would do if I was in charge of that brand. And he actually liked what I had to say. And he said, well, I tell you what, why don't you run an event for us and see how you get on? And that was a massive opportunity. So I completely jumped on that and said, well, actually, I am, you know, I was just about to start my own business doing that, which I wasn't. Ran home, registered an email address and emailed him some suggestions and some ideas of events they could get involved in. And they basically said, "Okay, cool. We agree. Pick that one. Go ahead. Run it for us. And I did, and that sort of started my first business. So it was completely by chance. Um, I had no background in business, but it very quickly became um, very busy, not necessarily very profitable, but I was very busy with it. And it evolved um, over that year. I was doing my master's into quite a full-on sort of commitment. So when I finished my RADA course, 
I didn't really sort of look back and carried on running this business, which I then ran for 10 years. And it evolved into a marketing agency, um, developing creative concepts for clients, mostly drinks brands, because it grew very naturally. So we kind of established ourselves in that industry and you, you know, got recommended and clients would have multiple brands in their portfolio and then they would ask us to pitch on those other brands. So it kind of grew the business as sort of a specialist agency in, in, in drinks. Um, and it grew from there, really. And suddenly it was like 10 years old. Um, it was luckily it was really successful, mainly down to ridiculously hard work. Yeah. Um, but I got to the point after about 10 or 11 years where having not been from a business background, I probably made every mistake structurally in the business along the way. I was totally burnt out and I just lost the love for it and I just did not want to do it anymore. And once I decided that, it's very hard to pull yourself back from that psychologically and to be really positive. And if you can't be really positive, you can't come up with the creative ideas that you're going to sell to clients and you you know, you just you haven't got that sort of energy um, which you really need to run any business. So I really kind of fell out of love with it and I had done it for a decade I was 30, we were about, Jack and I were about to get married, and I just thought this is a really good time to think about doing something else. Mm. And it kind of came with the realisation that one of the reasons the business had been successful is that I was really good at creating concepts for brands. And I thought, yeah, but I don't own any of those brands. Like, I own the idea and we deliver it and it makes their brand successful, but I don't have any equity in that. Yes, we get our invoice paid, but there'd be much more satisfaction if it was my own product. So I also had that idea in my head. So I essentially wound the business down, kind of retired, and then had a year off. Well, it was only about six months, really, by that point, because I had the idea already for my what became my next business. Yeah. Um, and then that coincided, launching that coincided with us having our first baby. So that all kind of happened yeah. at the same time. <laughs> Perfect. And so when you were a kid, was it like, because you hear these stories of people that are like, making money at like 11 years old kind of thing, doing things and sort of always looking for opportunities to kind of make a commercial success of it. Was it that was that kind of in your brain when you were a kid or was it all kind of drama and theatre when you were a kid? No, it was. Like my mum and dad were quite strict about pocket money and things like that. So, you know, I can't remember the pocket money in those days. It was probably like a pound, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. But, um, I think I was lucky to get a pound. Oh, wait, I, I, I often didn't get it because I was really naughty. So <laughs> I kind of had to innovate. And we, we where we lived, um, loads of other families around. And, and um, I used to say, oh, wash the car. You know, my mum would be like, I'll give you £1.50 if you wash the car. He used to rope my little brother into doing it. And then I was like, oh, we're on to something here. So we used to go around to all the other houses and say, hi, I'll wash your car for £1.50. Yeah. And after a while, I was like, actually, if I get my brother to do the work and I just do the knocking on the doors, I'm like the <laughs> salesperson and he's like the operations guy. Yeah. And he was, you know, like seven or he something. Um, <laughs> then he was doing, you know, he was doing all the hard work, all the washing, and I was kind of, you know, pitching it in. And so I kind of got a taste of it um, at that age. And then when I was a bit older, like 14, 15, you know, and your friends are going to cinema and doing that kind of thing. And my mum was like, well, if you haven't got the pocket money, you can't go. Yeah. And so you've got to earn your money. And, then, you know, you could do chores and stuff. But then I ended up getting my first job in a tea room by Windsor Castle near where I grew up, all the American tourists. And they used to tip really well because it was such a, you know, even then it was by far a more tipping culture than we are here. Yeah. And so, I, you know, I was like 14 and I'd make £90 in a shift. And I'd be like, oh my God, I can actually I can get a taxi to the cinema as well as actually go to the cinema. And I got this real, like, thirst, I think, for earning my own money yeah. from from a young age um so yeah I was obviously an employee of that little cafe but the the running my own little car washing enterprise at about age 10 yeah. certainly gave me a little taste for you know what you can Doing do your own when you, thing. yeah when you can do your own thing but that's also like a spot in the opportunity as well right which I guess has run through all of your 
like career as such is like is looking for those windows like the tipping culture in America kind of thing yeah. at that age to kind of be like actually these guys do tip really well so the place for me to work is near Windsor Castle because that's where they gravitate towards kind of I don't thing. think I was clever enough to choose that I think I just I walked into I a load of different cafes and went tiny jobs <laughs> and then, <laughs> but yeah in hindsight it's interesting isn't it because like you said yeah I think spotting opportunities is something that when you work for yourself you you're, you're probably inherently quite good at because you'd have to do that to work for yourself in the first place but also that grows as yeah. you grow your own business as well because you've got to in order for it to grow you've got to be able to see where you know where you can kind of offer something that maybe somebody else has overlooked or just offer something slightly different. I've always thought you don't have to necessarily come up with a completely innovative idea because, you know, like I always think about hairdressers, there's thousands of hairdressers in the country. They all just maybe position themselves slightly differently. Yeah. And so actually there's always room for someone else in the marketplace. If you can just, so when, with my first business, which became a marketing agency, but to start with, we very much just did events and helped clients kind of, you know, deliver their sponsorship of an event. So it was very sort of like based on the execution and stuff. The the dif- the difference that I um, offered was that it was specifically for premium and luxury brands. So I was like, if you're a premium luxury brand, you need to have staff that are really well briefed, that literally sound like they work for the company, that look absolutely amazing. And, you know, that are not sort of, you know you know dummy spokes model people who are actually like styled perfectly in keeping with what the brand sort of aspires to be really knowledgeable on how the product's made and so therefore they they are premium in what they're you know presenting yeah and that's in line with what the brand is and like now when i think back to that i think gosh you know there's so much marketing jargon you could apply to that thought process at the time it was just something i'd spotted and thought you know what these guys are really premium and the way they're doing it is a bit down market maybe we should improve that and then i'll stand out and they'll use me again yeah and it you know that 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 is indeed what happened ultimately yeah um but i just you know at at the time i kind of realized it was an opportunity but i probably didn't um wasn't able to kind of acknowledge or didn't have the kind of marketing vocabulary or the business vocabulary to work out that actually i was offering a differentiated position in the marketplace or whatever you sort of say now um but yeah again you just sort of learn as you go really and all of that i suppose is just about um observing human behavior and kind of what people react to and what they don't react to and lots of that is kind of subconscious for for a lot of people that don't even notice it do they yeah so i think it's um it is a i know you'll play it down but it is a real skill set to be able to kind of spot things that other people just don't observe or they're not really into like the detail around kind of like understanding you know how they present themselves what's their knowledge base all all those different factors whereas somebody else might turn around and just say well i just need somebody to serve drinks yeah yeah. and that's kind of and yes that's technically what they need to do but the minute they get one question that says where's this from or what you know how is it made kind of thing somebody responds with the right output then they take that information away to 10 other people and that's acknowledging that human behavior is fundamentally about interaction and kind of using that to spread the seed effectively yeah i think all businesses about that and i think you know a long time ago i um i went on i can't remember what's the alan sugar program that you'll fight the apprentice apprentice, and i was a judge on that years ago and i had my marketing business because they were doing a it was a week when they were doing um they had to come up with a marketing concept for a drinks brand so they approached me and said alan sugar likes people who've got their own business i was you know i was actually quite a small business but i was niche a specialist in that field yeah so i went on the panel with dara o'brien as a judge on it and um i don't think this made the edit but they sort of said oh you know um what you know how do you 
um, create, you know, create a marketing concept or what's the kind of like, you know, what's the secret behind it? And I just thought it's so simple. It's just like for some people, you're either really good understanding people and coming up with a creative idea that marries the two. That is basically it. And there's all sorts of like really impressive, um, you know, strategic pillars and different marketing jargon and charts and all sorts of things, which is not my background at all. And all of that's really valid and it's really good in terms of like getting other people to buy into something or to justify why you're doing it. But fundamentally it comes back to, here's some people that we want to sell a product to. They're interested in XYZ or they're these kind of people. I think, therefore, they would like this kind of activity or this kind of concept or this kind of idea let's see if that works yeah and it's it's kind of as straightforward as that i mean it's much more technical now with obviously with social media and with you know much more sort of digital marketing and digital advertising but you know when i was doing that 20 years ago that sort of ch- those channels weren't really open to reaching yeah. consumers it was very traditional sort of marketing activity and what i did was generally the sort of face-to-face stuff engaging with brand face-to-face so I think that really comes back to sort of, you know, who a person is and how you say something to them that they're going to resonate with and go, yeah, cool, I get that, I like that, great, yeah. maybe I'll buy that. And you're giving them a choice and you're encouraging them to make that choice, aren't you? Yeah. I suppose good, good marketing is kind of subconscious sales in many ways, isn't it? And as far as like, there's you have direct sales in which people kind of, you know, you need this in your life kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, there's a whole slog around it whereas good marketing convinces you that you need it without knowing you need it kind of thing and and I suppose that's it not in a surreptitious way in any way yeah. but it is like it's explaining the the merits of it without you realizing that someone's done that it's just happened that you've taken that information in and there's a lot of work gone into that yeah there's a lot of work that goes into that but I think also whether it's a product you actually physically need like you need I don't know washing powder or yeah whatever I think now there's because you know of all of the digital channels available to us, you can find out as much information as you want about every brand. Like, you know, genuinely, you can find out all of their product information, all of consumer reviews, problems that they've got, whether they're environmentally friendly, whether they test on animals, whatever it might be. And so actually, with, you know, the kind of, this huge sort of digital growth in the last 20 years, I think that's made sort of marketing more important because you have to, you have to be really honest about the information of your product or brand or business because, you, you know, you can't hide can't it. Hide it. Someone's yeah, going to yeah. find it. So that that is really great opportunity. It's also a really big challenge, I think. As yeah, well. yeah. So uh, you bought on to the point that you had, you had Raf, uh, not Rafi first, you had Ace first. Didn't you? That would be wrong, wouldn't it? The wrong <laughs> way around. Um, so how old were you when you had when you had Ace? And when was that? Well, I think I was, th- oh, God, Andy, I can't remember. I was like 30, maybe I was 30. should never ask a woman five, her age. And if people want to work this out. No, I think I was about 35 when I had him. So, um, yeah. yeah, so not quite a geriatric mum, but, you know, at yeah. that stage, that's relatively old to have a job. Um, but I'd, so I'd, I'd sort of closed down my marketing business. It took a while to do that because obviously I had quite a lot of, projects in play and then Jack and I got married and I sort of had a couple months after that where I was just sort of having a nice nice old chill time and trying to like recharge my batteries after running the business for 10 years and um very sensible and then um I I had the idea for what became my second business which was Motoriety and the concept was um a digital platform that managed all aspects of car ownership and admin so it would like digitize and automate everything to do with owning a car so it would automatically send you MOT reminders, car tax reminders, servicing reminders. And then the kind of unique part of it was that it would store all of the data and all the invoices and all the receipts and service history in one digital online portal, which you could then pass on to the next owner of the car. 
So it was kind of motivated by the fact that when you buy a second-hand car, there's loads of gaps in the history of the vehicle. And actually, that can be very costly, which I learned to my detriment. <laughs> if something's wrong with the car and it should have had some work done at you know, 20,000 miles and they didn't bother to do it, and then yeah. you buy the car at 40,000 miles and two months later... You're spending three grand on a repair that you weren't expecting. Yeah. So I kind of, you know, thought it was really archaic and it was, you know, it was really ripe for a kind of cool, disruptive digital product. So I had that idea. And and that was born out of a bad experience. It was, yeah. And, you know, like you do, you have a business idea, you talk to people about it. And then everyone had a story where they'd come unstuck like, oh, you know, I got my car got impounded because I didn't have any road tax because I forgot. And oh, I didn't have an MOT. And then, you know... I got pulled over by the police and told me my MOT was invalid and actually your insurance is then invalid. So everyone has sort of a story or how they got ripped off by a garage. And so I kind of thought, okay, there's something in this idea. And um, I basically um, researched people online to find someone from a tech background in the automotive sector and got him on board and then we kind of brought it to market. But that was, I was then doing that at the same time that I was pregnant with my first son, um, which was quite a bizarre sort of experience because I I felt that it was going to be very detrimental to the business that I was going to be pregnant that I was pregnant because um we were trying to raise seed investment to get the business off the ground and actually I was completely wrong about that because the people who invested in the business saw the fact that I was pregnant as like really impressive actually they were kind of like oh my god you know they I think they thought I'd be even more motivated to make it a success yeah. because you know I'm not just sitting back and being like oh well I'm gonna have a baby now I was like no 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 I'm s- still doing this yeah. and, you know um but then conversely with that I think I then put myself under quite a lot of pressure because of that to sort of be you know to be really on it and to deliver you know on a ridiculous level mm. when actually I probably should have you know chilled out a bit more yeah. um and the, I mean, so we did, we raised the investment, seed investment, we got the business off the ground. Um, I had Ace um, and, you know, quite traumatic birth, which I think everybody seems to have. <laughs> Anyone that goes, oh, it's lovely. Um, horrendous. And then um, quite soon after that, obviously, you know, I had this business that's up and running. You know, we are, we've got sort of partnership opportunities, we've got investors, we've got a business plan we're trying to deliver. Um, so he went, sort of went into full-time childcare really quite young, only a few months old. Yeah. Um, and I, like, I kind of, I guess I regret that. I don't know if that's the right word, but that's actually really hard looking back at that because, you know, he was so little, he was like three months old. Yeah. And he was, you know, going, when the nursery was right on our road, but, you know, I was going to an office every day, he was going there. And, you know, that's really, you know, that, that I think I beat myself up slightly about that. He, he doesn't, he doesn't remember, yeah, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> and he's really sociable. He's like really good people. He's really like, you know, engaging and because he's used to being around people. So actually for him and his development, it's been really good. Yeah. Um, well, I think for me, I think, oh my God, I was literally killing myself, you know, to kind of do all of these things at the same time. I think I put myself under that pressure. I think there is a pressure to be like a superwoman in inverted commas, which is, you know, really cringe. But I actually think I was kind of like, oh, I've actually got to deliver on that kind of, that notion that women yeah. can be everything and do everything at the same time so that was I remember one time my I had a, a meeting um he was literally a few weeks old and I had a meeting in the Institute of Directors which is on the Mall, I think in London and it was at 9am and I thought I, I don't how what do I do with like a five-week-old baby yeah and so I said to my friend can you come with me before you go to work and basically sit in the car or take him for a walk 
around St James's Park or something while I have this meeting and we you know and it was just ridiculous now I think back like you know to making her like yeah. we were late for work and we were driving through London at like half past seven in the morning and this tiny baby in the car and but you kind of you know actually when I I was quite overdue with him and um I had a meeting with a VC and um my, went to see the midwife and she was like I think I want to send you to the hospital to be induced and I was like oh no I've got this meeting with this VC <laughs> who didn't know I was pregnant because we only spoken by email and phone I was like oh god she said no wait, you need to go to the hospital to be induced like, okay so I phoned him and I was like hi, really nice guy I said oh hi Rory um you've got this meeting like later this afternoon um unfortunately the midwife I'm like, <laughs> I, I haven't told you I'm pregnant and the midwife said I need to go to the hospital to be induced and he said to me that is the best reason <laughs> I've ever been given by anyone to postpone a meeting he was like no problem at all and then about four weeks after you know when son was born I then went and met him and bless my mother-in-law she came and sat in the cafe below you know while I had the meeting and yeah. ran back after so it's just like you know it's kind of it's funny when I think back about it and it's obviously it's really character building and you know when you've got a startup business and there's this pace and this trajectory that you're trying to build you know you kind of have to do that but at the same time that's really hard with a baby a new baby and I just think if I'd have maybe waited six months would it have been the end of the world yeah possibly not but when you're in that situation it's very difficult to sort of take yourself out of it and think okay what would be better for everybody here yeah <laughs> so yeah but you know everything is a lesson isn't it so it's kind of difficult to break and be the one that um the one that's operating on a different level right, or a different plane yeah um, we had similar with wilbur when he was born lucy had a big interior job on in london for a wealthy client it was like we can't get this wrong she'd already been doing it for a year she had an, another year to go on it it turned out after he was born and i remember taking him up for you know i have physical like visual memories of him being in his moses basket on the kitchen worktop while i'm looking at cabinetry in one room lucy's looking at curtains and cut and flooring in yeah. another room and in hindsight you know and we did do it differently the second time around but there is that sense of like i remember kind of being there thinking is this okay is this is this normal because it sort of doesn't feel normal but i don't feel like i can say to this woman i'm sorry we we can't be here right now we need to be at home because they have expectations and everybody's and you're sort of too afraid to kind of break a mold for what would the consequences be Mm. And, and actually in hindsight you can sort of look at it and go what would the consequences have been? And maybe there might have been other ways around it, but at the time, the intensity mm. of it is like all these people around you going, we're all on the same page with this. Are you coming in the same direction? Yeah. And also it's about confidence, isn't it? Because looking back now, I think, you know, I had, I had a conference call, with a potential um, com- big company who um, talked to us about investing really early on. And, you know, my son was a few weeks old. I was breastfeeding him. And, you know, and they need to be fed. They need to be fed. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, well, that's fine. I'm on a conference call. They can't see me. I'll just feed him. But obviously he was like gurgling, making noises. And at one point, this woman on the phone call said, what is that noise? And I should have just said, I've, I've got a brand new baby. I'm feeding my son. Or yeah. It's my, my baby. He's in the background. And I, I was like, oh, I don't know. Or whatever. And I was, I was just like, oh, God, why didn't I just say? But I think, you know, I was younger. I was, you know, I hadn't done a sort of, you know, I had my previous business, but I owned it all. It was, you know, it grew very nicely. It was all very, you know, um, organic. And then this business was like fast-paced tech startup, trying to raise investment, trying to be this like, you know, this sort of, you know, big presence in this industry. 
And I didn't have the confidence to just say, I've just had a baby. And actually, stupidly, I should have, because people actually really respect that. Yeah. And they get it. You know, a lot of people are parents. Yeah. And so, um, and that's what's interesting about, you know, with Born Human is, you know, how we want to be, or, or we kind of, um, uh, we exist as two sort of separate people. We exist as the professional person, the work person, and then the home person, the friend, the mum, the wife, whatever. And actually, we are just one person. Yeah. And if we were a little bit more, if we fuse those people together and, you know, companies have a role to play in making people feel confident enough to do that, then actually that would have been a much better sort of, yeah. you know, much healthier way to be for me to just say by the way I've got a baby in the background here so apologies if there's any noise on the call and then continue in a very professional manner on the phone call that would have been absolutely fine but I didn't have the confidence to do that yeah and so yeah it's very in hindsight it's very it's very different and it's only you know in talking to people that I um, had meetings with at that time that you know later you know or relatively soon after that obviously did realize that I had a new baby they were really supportive of that. And I think, yeah. oh, no, you know, because you, you assume people won't be. You assume it's like this affliction in a professional capacity. Yeah. You know, like, oh, maternity leave. Oh, You're an you inconvenience. Know, baby brain. Kind of oh, whatever it's going to be that someone has this, um, you know, preconception about. But in actual fact, most people, if they have any lived experience of being a parent, are very, you know, are, are very... Um, you know, aware of you know the challenges and the benefits of as well of you being a parent. So yeah. I'm glad I I'm glad I learned that. Unfortunately, like most things in my business career, you learn them on the go rather yeah, than yeah. somebody telling you that up front and you taking that on and applying it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's almost easier to ask afterwards and then realise that you know you realise your own mistake rather than kind of yeah. it feels safer to do that, I suppose, than kind of sort of throw yourself out there and then deal with the consequences of somebody not giving you the reaction that you would hope for kind yeah. of thing. I suppose the other thing is that um, is we're all faced with to some extent is that you know what it is to be a mum and a woman in business versus a man and I guess historically that we're still trying to change that dynamic but presumably that must put more pressure on as well and as far as how it, there is like this sense of Obviously, I was born a man. I am a man, so I, like I, I've not experienced that. Mm. But you know that there's clear evidence that it's much more difficult for women to kind of absolutely not that they're not capable. Purely just the fact that people have different perceptions and they have wrong perceptions of kind of what people are capable of. Yeah. And then when you introduce motherhood into that, there's all this sense of um, there is a sense of plenty of people in the world who still believe that that makes you less capable mm. or less able and and actually that's not true but it is something that you have to face and challenge and it's a prejudice I suppose it is but I think two things about that I think for me I didn't experience I didn't wasn't aware of it at the time but yeah. I didn't experience any negativity on it I thought I would yeah and I remember going to a meeting and it was winter and I was quite heavily pregnant and I wore like this huge coat and this scarf trying to hide my bump because I thought well they take me less seriously you know yeah. it was literally like a boardroom full of old grey blokes yeah you know I had thought we'll think this is some kind of like reason not to invest kind yeah of thing. but that really wasn't the case and actually it, it really helped me in my business because it was in technology and in the automotive sector which is predominantly very male dominated and very old school and very out of date this young girl coming in with a new idea a new piece of technology that i wanted to kind of completely change the way things were done that got loads of attention so the media were really interested in this concept because i wasn't a 
60-year-old bloke from the automotive industry with an automotive idea. I was, yeah. you know, my background was completely different. My gender was different. You know, my age bracket was different. So actually that really, that has sort of held me in good, you know, in sort of, you know, that sort of gave me op- op- opportunities, actually. It was a positive thing. Yeah. Um, and then I think the other thing is, conversely, it is really difficult to be a mother to a young a baby or a young child and be able to function, perform and focus in the way that you can when you don't have children or very young children. Yeah. Because, you know, I hate that term baby brain. I didn't sort of feel I had that. But I think what I did have, which is unavoidable, is um, a challenge on your focus. Because when your baby needs to be fed or needs to be put down for a nap and they don't want to sleep and they're fighting it or, you know, needs a nappy change or is just crying or when you don't know why or whatever... That has to be your focus. Yeah. Right? There's no, you cannot fit that baby in with your work timetable. It yeah. doesn't, it, it just, you can't do it. So that's really, really difficult. And then I also think it's really difficult because the distraction or the brain function between trying to think, you know, really intelligently looking at like a PL sheet or write a presentation or think about a business strategy at the same time as having a newborn baby where actually like a lot of the tasks are quite emotionally draining quite physical and then your brain is like I can't do these two things at the same time I can't think like a high-powered businesswoman or come up with you know some you know really sort of um insightful piece of you know thinking around my business at the same time as nurse a a brand new baby they they don't gel very well together and then you add in the fact that you're absolutely exhausted into it and it's not brilliant kind of combination and obviously that period of time is not you know it's not indefinite but it is significant and I think you know I didn't realise that at the time, so I was trying to do all of those things at the same time, probably doing all of them really badly. Um, you know, really, really tired, snatching pieces of time here and there, you know, 10 minutes here to do a bit of work. You can't even get your mind to focus on what you're doing in 10 minutes, let alone actually deliver anything that's valuable. Yeah. Um, so I think it is really difficult. And I think only, you know, being the mother, especially if you're breastfeeding... Um, then you have to accept that that's going that is going to it's going to limit you from a work point of view, and actually you should really enjoy it because work, it's really work nice, with it kind of thing. Yeah, and it's yeah. really nice time with your baby and everyone. So they grow up so fast and they do, and at the time it's sometimes not enjoyable because they're crying and you just feel like, I don't know what I'm doing and it's yeah. really hard. Um, but actually, I think you just have to give yourself over to it. Yeah, and then and that does mean thing you know that is your focus and your focus work wise and your business or whatever else it might be professionally. Is you know it's it's second fiddle. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess it kind of has to be, doesn't it? But it is coming to that acceptance and lots. Yeah, and not being like, oh, I failed it. because I can't do that. You know, I can't do that meeting or whatever. It's like it's not a failure. You're looking after your baby. That's your number one priority. Yeah, yeah. But you always feel like you're letting someone or something down. Yeah. And ultimately, that's like I mean, that's that's something that pressure I think we put on ourselves sometimes. Yeah, and it's it's always. Um, I think the unfortunate thing is that it's always easy. You always get that reflective space too long after. Yeah. You never get it in the moment. <laughs> no, no, 20 like, years later. Or, I'm thinking yeah, about like this and maybe I shouldn't take this meeting today yeah, and I'll yeah. just give them a call and say, can we just hold this off for three yeah. months? Um, too much pressure in that, isn't it? Yeah. But so, like, obviously, as Ace grew up and um, sort of the business continued, how was it kind of, as he... Um, 
what's your age gap between Ace and Three and a half years. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So the business was pretty well established by the time Rafi came along. Yeah, so we did a joint venture with a very large organisation, motoring organisation, when the business was really, really early stage, actually. But they liked what we were doing, wanted something similar as a product, and said, look, you're raising investment, why don't we invest in the company? you can then have our brand and access to our customers and that should be a really happy relationship. Mm. Uh, It wasn't, unfortunately. But um, the business was in sort of a refinancing negotiation with them at the point that I became pregnant with Rafi. Um, And so that was really difficult because um, the, the way I was then treated and sort of the process that ensued thereafter was absolutely horrific. Um, and, you know, I brought a discrimination claim against them. I've issued proceedings in the High Court against them in the last couple of weeks on a separate matter. Um, but it wasn't a sort of happy relationship. And for lots of reasons, some of it directly linked to my pregnancy, that made that pregnancy and the early stage of, of Rafi's life really difficult and really emotionally challenging, financially challenging Um, it was just a, yeah, it was not a very nice period of time. So actually it's really difficult to look back on that pregnancy because I had loads of sort of, you know, physical challenges with that pregnancy and I'd, you know, go to the midwife and, you know, having had some really bad pains and they would say, scan, they're like, I can't work out what this is. Like, are you stressed at all? And I was kind of like, um, (laughs) a little (laughs) bit maybe, yeah. Um, so that, you know, that was actually really like really unfortunate to look back on that because it, you know, for a lot of people, and I think when you run your own business, this is why it's doubly hard. Whereas if you're an employee and there's maternity leave and people kind of ease your workload, you go along, you don't really have that option when you work for yourself. So I think that, yeah, looking back, that was, you know, not a particularly nice period of time. And then he was born and another traumatic pregnancy, yeah, labour rather. And um, I was then at home, you know, at home with him for about 18 months before he then sort of started to go to nursery sort of managing this sort of legal process and the sort of fallout of the um, situation with the business there. Um, and that I feel like I was sort of emotionally quite absent because a lot of my sort of emotional strength had to go into fighting this legal case. And I found that re- that's such a negative experience. So my mindset was so negative for such a long period of time. You know, I felt so... Um, grieved and I was just kind of you know angry and um you know you need to have a lot of tolerance as a parent and I think Mm. my tolerance levels were really low so I was very snappy I was probably wasn't a very nice mummy I certainly wasn't a very nice wife during that time um and yeah you just it had a real sort of negative impact on my mindset and my um just like sort of just my day-to-day um yeah, just like my well-being and just day-to-day how I was as a person. I didn't really recognise who I was, became quite negative. Um, so that was really, really difficult. Um, and it's only when you sort of look back in, in hindsight and talk about it that you realise the sort of severity of the situation and stuff. Um, and I think now it's it's really interesting because during this process, I have had some business coaching as you know and I it's been really useful for me and it's been quite life-changing because traditionally I haven't ever had the um 
capacity or even the awareness to try and think about myself and my own mind like yeah. what do I really think what do I want to achieve why am I doing this what's motivating me in life just have you know you just get on with it yeah. and because this was such a traumatic process and I had this coaching it was kind of like I've got to try and find a lesson what am I learning from this like horrendous process that I'm to a degree still in and it's been really useful because it's allowed me to kind of like be quite self you know to to be self-aware and to reflect on the situation and try and like not only ensure I don't you know get to that mindset again but also work out what are the positives that you can take away from this and it's really hard to find positives in a very negative fundamentally negative situation but there's always a lesson in everything mm. and it was really useful for me because it, you know even on a very very basic level I was like okay what are these what are the positive things I can try and find and I was trying to think this through and one of them, which was very sort of trite, was that, you know, I spent about 18 months with little Rafi at home and you don't, you know, I wasn't working. You don't have like a grown up conversation or a sort of professionally grown up conversation very often. Yeah. And so my vocabulary really deteriorated. And then I, the legal proceedings kind of geared up. And I was conversing a lot with barristers and lawyers and I suddenly had this amazing vocabulary and I went from like baby speak to like talking like I was in Dawson's Creek all the time. I was like, this is brilliant. I sound really grown up and clever. And so I was kind of like, you know, small as that is. I was like, okay, that's a thing. I can kind of like hold on to that. I'm like, I'm learning. I'm actually mentally learning stuff. I'm learning about the law. I'm learning, I'm learning things. And then there's a much broader lesson that I've learned, which is about, um, you know, how important it is to... Um, work with whether they're employees or partners or you know people you have a commercial agreement with or in seed investors or institutions you partner with how you know you need to be on the same page and in the sense of what your values are and I didn't know what my values were until I actually thought about it yeah and that was life-changing for me to work that out and it's really set me up for what I will do next is to be really aware of like this is these things are really important to me because they're actually who I am and I can't change who I am I don't want to change who I am so actually if I'm going to go into partnership with people or if I'm going to build a business I want the people that I surround myself with to share those values to some degree align you know to be aligned yeah. it's like going into a marriage with someone who's just fundamentally different to you it's not going to work yeah or even if you can kind of like string it along for a while it's never going to be as successful as it could be yeah and so it took me going through that sort of coaching process to realize that and that's been really useful so i kind of hope that there's a obviously everything is a lesson isn't it a journey especially when you work for yourself but to work out that through that negative situation that i had during my pregnancy and you know when I was at home with Rafi that actually I've come out of that thinking okay I, I get I get from that um some positive stuff I can take away that I'll just now apply to what I do next and how I think about it next and I feel confident that I won't uh, you know fall back into you know any ways of thinking really negatively or feeling really anxious or anything like that which yeah. I had done before kind of keeping it in perspective isn't it because it's easy to get carried away with everything and feel like everything else is important but actually without that kind of that foundation stone or whatever you call it that understands like who you are like you said earlier mm. that is fundamentally who you are and what you need and I think need is like a I kind of more I talk about it the more I think about it. it is about what we need and being honest with are you having enough self-worth and self-awareness to be able to say these are the things I need in life and that mm. might be for some people that might be 
money it might be traveling it might be time with family it might mm. be time with friends it might be socializing it could be anything in the world but recognizing what your own needs are is so important but also kind of keeping that in the forefront of your mind so that every periodically you're kind of like reflecting and Checking being able in. to say yeah mm. you know does this fit is yeah. this the right kind of thing and if it doesn't i mean like you're you know there's plenty of science behind the fact that a gut instinct isn't just a um an imaginary thing you yeah. know it's it's your body's way of telling you that if your gut is saying something's not right then it probably isn't right it's very hard though to always be true to that because i remember having a gut instinct that going into partnership with this big company was probably not the right thing to do yeah but they had dazzled us and we'd gone through this ridiculous like courtship where they were kind of throwing all of these big promises at us and stuff which they never delivered on um and I sort of felt in my gut that they probably weren't the right business to, to go with. But, you know, we, we needed the investment from a yeah. literally a practical point of view. The business, you know, had a plan we wanted to follow that required an injection of cash and they were offering it. Yeah. We had other options, other investors in another company also interested. But, you know, the way that they presented themselves to us and the challenges that we were going to have if we didn't go with them, you know, this was like the golden ticket kind of yeah. thing. It, it does, you know, it kind of, you know, you get, it's not even like dollar signs in front of your eyes because obviously like I'm a very commercial person. I like to, I want to, you know, build a business that, you know, is financially successful, small business is. Yeah. But it wasn't, that wasn't the sole motivation. It was like, this is going to make it successful and I'm hungry for that success. And that sort of like, you know, those sort of like twinkling stars potential, um, it, it suppresses the inner voice, your gut instinct that says, are you sure are you yeah, sure yeah. this is the right thing are these the real are these the right people are you know what about those other people they were also you're like no 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 no, no but the twinkly stars look are what these there. guys yeah, have yeah, got yeah. Yeah, yeah and so it is really hard to um to stay true to that and i think only having been through the like you know the trauma of the situation as it then ensued um can I actually like be confident that I would not, you know, I would not fall for, yeah, I would not fall for it again because I know what the outcome is if, if you know, yeah. if you don't, you know, if you don't sort of stay true to like what your values are and yeah. I wasn't aware of, you know, the fact I had any values at that point, you know, yeah. from a professional point of view. So yeah, it's, um, it's, it's been a really interesting, very difficult journey, but I think like a lot of people that go through any kind of sort of trauma when you come out of it, you you know there are some pretty epic things that you take away from that that you yeah. think I don't want to go there again or I don't want to be in that situation again. How do I make sure I'm not? And because it's so yeah. lived, because you've actually lived it, I think you approach things completely differently and with more confidence because yeah. you're confident enough to say I'm not going to get into that situation again. Not you can't, doing it. You can't tempt me in enough to know exactly. that, that is that's not worth going. Yeah. To. But then I, I guess that's sort of like no there's no substitute for experience is there and that's not to say that anyone would wish any of those situations on their worst enemy frankly mm. but like you were saying there is always something if you can't take something away and that's what all these conversations are about mm. is that invariably they are because parenthood does bring adversity in some one way shape or form for everyone mm. be it your birth story be it you mm. know pregnancy be it your relationships, be it mm. mental health, there's so many different angles to it. And everyone goes through at least some part of that. Sleep deprivation is pretty much universal, but I think everyone at least goes through that. Um, but until you have been through it, you can't kind of, you can't appreciate 
what it is to go through it and so as a result if we don't kind of as you rightly say if you don't take the positives from it and take the time to say what have we learned from that Mm. and why would I not do it again and even if someone was to tell you from their own experience that that age-old thing when you were at school oh school's the best year of your life (laughs) and you're like shut up dad it's not the best year of my life it's so boring I have to go and sit in an English lesson every day like that's like at the time you don't hear that do you but then afterwards once you come out you go it definitely is and then in more recent like times like Wilbur said a couple of times at home I don't want to go to school today daddy and I'm like schools the best and I'm just like <laughs> shut up don't say that like there's no need to say that but there is yeah, because yeah, yeah. like it is and I'm trying to articulate it differently but ultimately I'm coming back to the same message yeah, but yeah. unfortunately I have to realize that he won't hear that what he'll yeah. hear is like he's got to learn it for himself you know but I mean it's uh yeah I mean it's sort of coming to the realization that you we all make mistakes in life and that's not necessarily they're not necessarily mistakes they're learning curves aren't yeah they? and I think you know traditionally I think you know culturally or certainly you know in my background it's very much like you know grin and bear it get on with it you'll be fine you know kind of stiff up a lip very British kind of attitude towards it but we're we're becoming much more self-aware becoming much more tuned into you know our own mental health as well as mental health of others and they're actually thinking about stuff properly thinking about yourself and not in a kind of narcissistic way but in a kind of you know what do I want to achieve like why am I doing this what's the motivation behind this and why am I motivated is it because I want to achieve certain things like monetarily or because I want to you know build a bit why do I want to build a business etc it's actually really important to self-reflect and we're becoming like as a society we're becoming just much more aware of how important that is yeah. and therefore thinking about everything as a lesson becomes much more accepted as as a useful um you know as a useful tool because whatever happens whether it's good or bad or horrendously traumatic or just you know mediocre it's kind of we've now got the permission i guess to actually reflect on it and take the information from that and apply it whereas i think before you know years ago before we were so aware of kind of our own personal sort of mental health and you know being having some time to be introspective i think all of that got got you know kind of it was so far down the priority list it never even got a look in. We weren't even aware it existed. You know, when yeah. I had my first business, I, I never realised why it was successful. And it's only 20 years on from when I started my first business, I was 22 and now 42, that I can look back without in any way feeling like I'm being big-headed and think I was so good at that. I was so good at that for these reasons. Yeah. But I could never have done that at the time because I wouldn't have had the capacity to think about it because I was too busy and inefficient, actually, because I didn't have any business backgrounds. So I was doing everything wrong in the wrong order. Um, but also, I just, you know, there wasn't, there, there wasn't that acceptance that it's really healthy for you to kind of actually, like, analyse yourself. Yeah, yeah. And if you do, it's just like a much... It, it just makes you way more productive because you can filter out the stuff that's unhelpful, unproductive, yeah. that's really negative or that's just, like, not the best use of your time. You know, yeah. it can be practical as well as kind of emotional yeah um, but I think that's you know and I hope for our kids that that's something that will be positive as they grow up and th- go through schooling and sort of, sort of you know the workplace whatever that's going to look like is that sort of merge of looking after yourself and you yourself are the same person at work as you are at home yeah because you fundamentally you have these these like values and you are this person and how is that like 
nurtured at work so that you're the best version of you and you're yeah. the most productive version and that's beneficial for the business as well as for you yeah. so you don't have to go and put on your work persona and do that drudgery and feel like you're unsupported and come home and bitch about your bosses and bitch about your work because yeah. actually you should be in an environment that you love and that you like what you're doing and you're motivated by it and it's an extension of you it's yeah. not a separate you and then it has purpose as well you know like it has a purpose in terms of rather than you just serving somebody else's purpose that in all these things obviously work for most people is um a necessity in terms of mm. putting food on the table and all that and it is for the majority of the world right but actually if we can think creatively about what that looks like in a right <coughs> capacity for us mm. such that it's not <coughs> just a one-way street right mm. like it it serves it serves a business but at the same time that business serves you yeah. and that it's bringing you it allows you to be who you want to be and it allows you to kind of feel fulfilled at the end of the day and mm. keep like you were saying earlier about kind of like you're learning because you're you know you're starting having conversations with barristers and qcs yeah. and it's like well okay i'd rather not be having that conversation but i am taking something from that yeah. as far as and i know that's a bit of an extreme example in terms of you'd never wish to be in that situation <laughs> but at the self same time if we're all able to take away from work as well as give to work mm. then we should be able to do the same both at home yeah and, and i guess it is about identity and you know self-care self-awareness self-worth and we're kind of when you're forced to be two different people you know we can never authentically be ourselves. No, and it's also never... commercially like much more smart to have a relationship with people that work for you where they feel supported and that they can be really open and honest about their situation because if they feel like that, they, and they, then they're more likely to be productive, they're more likely to be loyal, they're less likely to leave, and then you haven't got like a re- massive recruitment issue and you haven't got to pay a recruitment consultant to fill a role and then you haven't got that lag in handover and you've just got this really loyal team who think, oh my God, I'm treated so well here. Why would I leave? I yeah. mean, someone might tempt me away with a pay rise or whatever, but actually what I'd be sacrificing for that yeah. is nowhere near, you know, kind of the support that I get working for an, a company that's, you know, that basically allows me to be me and is flexible to the fact that I'm a parent. You know, I don't think we should be saying to people, book a half day holiday to go to the nativity or whatever yeah. it might be. Or, you know, your children are ill, right? You can't come to work, your yeah. kid's ill. Um, you know, I think we ha- have to be way more flexible about the fact that that's just the reality for people yeah. and not make people feel like, you not penalise them, but also not make them feel like they're a lesser valued employee than somebody that doesn't have children. Yeah, yeah. Because actually, if you treat, if, if you give them that respect, then you, you get it back. It like, it pays dividends. Yeah. And, you know, they'll be more productive, they'll be more loyal. And so commercially, it's just a much better way to be. But that's really difficult to... Um, for traditional businesses to grasp I think yeah where they measure things very differently to sort of like how I guess you or I would so I guess that sort of there's an interesting reflection there that says that you're we're you know agreed that it you know businesses need to be kind to themselves to and to those that work for them how do you feel do you find that easier now to do to yourself in terms of obviously working for yourself and as an entrepreneur I know, we, I know we don't like that word but um as a self-starter let's go that, whatever um do you find like regulating yourself i know from my point of view it's really difficult to not be hard on yourself but if you let's say you're in a traditional business and your boss is saying be kind to yourself take some time off mm. like 
I don't find that easy to do. I, I don't find I don't find it easy to be in both positions, to be the one that's saying take time off and then not feel guilty about yeah. it. Or how do you find that? Do you find that easy to do? Are you more aware of that these days? Or? Only very recently, having done that business coaching, have I become aware of actually that it's detrimental to not um, sort of be kinder to yourself. Yeah. Um, because actually, you know, if you put yourself under too much pressure then the likelihood is you won't achieve what you've told yourself you should or you can. And then all you do is tell yourself that you failed. Yeah. And then you're in a really negative mindset. So actually, sometimes, you know, if you can, you know, you can like afford to time-wise and money-wise, I'm just, you know, I'm not, I'm not in the right headspace today. I'm not going to do it and take a day off. Yeah. And that's actually no shame in that um, because I'll be t- doubly as productive the next day. And yeah. I'll make up for it and that's fine because I'm rested or whatever. And there's a degree of like you know, um, sort of depending how fortunate you are to be able to sort of have that conversation with yourself. I think before, and when I started the coaching, I think part of the reason I wanted to do it is I felt I was really beating myself up about not achieving what I wanted to achieve and not getting my um, new business to a stage that I wanted it to get to. But actually what I really needed to do was understand the journey I'd been on and how I could learn from that and apply that to where I was going. Yeah, it is. I mean, it takes quite a lot of confidence, I think, to sort of get yourself to a place whereby you, you know yourself well enough to be able to give yourself that, to be kind to yourself and know that I still find it now, like I'm sitting at home and in the mornings I kind of take the kids to school or whatever, I get them all squared away, and then I take a bit of time for myself, just half an mm. hour. And that might be a bit of breathing. It might be going for a walk. It might be watching a TV show that I'm interested in watching for half an hour. But I'm way more productive in that day. But if I'm, say, I'm watching a TV show and I'm sitting on the sofa watching it and my wife comes in, I'm like, <laughs> she must think I'm really lazy right now. <laughs> It's 10 o'clock in the morning and I'm sitting watching the television. <laughs> like, I should have been working for ages. But it's sort of like, like consciously have to have that fight with myself yeah, yeah. to be like, don't turn it off, just sit mm. and enjoy it. For, you know, set yourself a boundary, but make sure that you're kind of like, you know that that boundary is your choice. Yeah, rather yeah absolutely, than, yeah. And that's really difficult. Whereas, uh, you know, and I guess that's with the whole sort of working from home thing. And, you know, in my old life in banking, when I would work from home or could work from home, it was so complicated to function. I was more productive, but yet all I felt all day was guilty because I might be going in the kitchen and getting a drink. I'd still be going to, you know, getting a drink from the fridge at work. But like that felt like I was still working because I was in the right place. Um, So I think it's a real challenge, isn't it? It is, but but I think like for me, exercise totally saved me during... Yeah, the really stressful period of time with the previous business and stuff because that was just something I did for myself and I didn't sort of really realise at the time the connection between sort of mental health and exercise and it's mm. so you know it's made such a difference because you know you feel so good after you've done something I got really back into exercise and sport which I had always been as sort of a kid and as a younger adult yeah. and then having run my own business I just didn't really ever have the time um I did run a couple of marathons in London but I used to just like finish work said so casually I know <laughs> I did run a couple I'm of marathons so <laughs> I am um, I, I did I did it for a charity that I was involved in through my work and then I did for the stroke association after my father was really poorly and so that really motivated me but I 
because I had my own business, I used to work sort of 10 o'clock at night at my desk, which is, you know, because I was inefficient, not because I was such a hard worker. And then I would go, oh my God, I've got to do a training run. And I'll just run, now I need to run home. So he said, then like, I remember one night I was running through like Elephant and Castle and I lived in Barnes and I worked in Bond Street and I ran from like Bond Street through South East London, through Elephant and Castle and then West at where, where I live. And I did like a two and a half hour run. I thought, it's like half 11 at night by the time I got home. What am I doing? That was ridiculous. Um, but you know, in my in your twenties, you have that crazy energy before you become a parent as well, where yeah. you just you just can, you know, like hangovers dealt with like that. It's yeah. not a problem. But um, yeah, in the last couple of years, I've got back into sort of gym type exercise, like group training exercise, and that has really helped me. And it's like it just blows away all the cobwebs. Yeah. And you know, I've, I love sort of boxing and combat, kind of that sort of boxing combat circuits kind of thing and it's been really good to get my frustration out like literally punching a punch bag yeah afterwards I'm like come on I can take on the world I can do it I can do it today especially when you know the legal stuff has been you know um at its sort of most challenging that's been really really satisfying yeah, yeah. and then you do something you do something for yourself like you're saying whatever it is that is your time for you and I think we always think that's quite self-indulgent it's actually really bloody necessary yeah it's really healthy because then you've like that, you know, you've done that. You take that box, you feel good, and then you can kind of focus on whatever it is you, you need to get done yeah. without feeling like you're um, just like you're not fully, you're not fully there, or you're not kind of on track. Yeah. So yeah, that's made a big difference to me. Yeah. Do you think you'll always be an entrepreneur of sorts? Well, I think does, I'm it, completely... does this sort of stuff ever make you think? You know, I, I might choose a different path in the future or is it just like that's I'm totally how you're unemployable made. Andy nobody I disagree with that entirely no, so this is but, really I, interesting but I get that it's difficult to sort of work out what you well, yeah, exactly. how you would fit into what, a traditional business I don't business have a job model. title you know well my job title is that I run my own businesses so there's I'm everything I'm the chief exec but I'm also the cleaner yeah. and that's why I think it's really funny when you people everybody's a chief something officer of a business of two people yeah and i always find that really laughable because it's like you know i I hate job titles if you run your own business you do everything yeah until you get to a point where you can be in a position commercially to hire specifically talented people to run certain parts of the business and so you know i have been in that position with one of my businesses where we did have you know a big team and and different people in very senior roles and i'm not a techie person so we had tech techie team etc but um I don't, I think it would be, I find it really hard to pigeonhole myself. Um, And so I did think for a while, maybe I should go and work for somebody or, you know, for a company. But I just, you know, I think the way that the world is now, if you wanted to hire someone for something unbelievably niche, you would be able to find somebody to do that. Yeah. Um, And so I would never be that niche person necessarily. Like I could definitely go and help startups or, you know, be a business consultant. And I think I realized in the last sort of year, actually, that, you know, a few people, especially during um, coronavirus when they were at home, have wanted to get their own business off the ground. You know, maybe they've had that idea for years. And so a lot of people I know or friends of friends have said, oh, can I pick your brain? And I've helped a few people with their businesses. And what I surprised myself at is that I know so much about running a business but mm. I've never realized that because I've always just been running a business yeah so when you're sort of outside of that and you're advising somebody it was like shit I'm actually really clever on this <laughs> stuff and it's taken me like till I'm 42 to be able to say that without hopefully sounding in any way conceited because I learned it all on the go over yeah. 20 years I, I really know a lot of stuff yeah. that could be really useful to somebody yeah so I think the only option for me would be to be some kind of business consultant or startup advisor or whatever but yeah. that's just not what I would ever really want to do is full time I think I'd always have that like 
you know, I've got I've got this hankering always to have like my own business, my own product yeah, and stuff. Yeah. And I find that exciting and I find that journey exciting to go on. Yeah. Um, and, you know, what's, I think what's really surprised me in the last 18 months is um, sort of how much support there has been from people I've been involved in businesses with in the past for whatever I'm going to do next. Yeah. Um, and I've got the beginnings of a, a, a business which I've talked to you about before, but couple of people have said to me you know what are you, what, what are you what are you doing and these sort of business associate type people most of them sort of older than me quite removed from what I do and I said oh well you know I'm thinking of doing this and and they've two of them have said do you want any money can I give you invest in that because people invest in people yeah and I think throughout the legal process I've been through and the, the motivation for me for doing that and the businesses that I've had before anyone that's kind of come across me professionally in that situation has basically thought okay that's somebody that's really determined um it's really committed um and that will do whatever it takes to yeah. kind of you know fulfill whatever their plan is and ultimately if you want to invest in a business those are quite good characteristics to invest in so yeah. i've been quite surprised by that and that's another sort of nice lesson through the last sort of 18 months is that there have been people who've gone bloody hell you've been through it but you're still fighting it and you're yeah. succeeding and like are you doing something else can I be involved in that somehow so that's actually been really nice and really positive so hopefully again like out of the sort of challenges of of um the sort of you know the legal process that I'm going through and through having you know had two businesses before the sort of outcome of you know both good and bad of those you know leads you on a journey that's really really beneficial because you feel like you know what I've you know I've learned loads from the good and the bad and I can apply all of that to the thing I do next and I can bring some people with me on that journey who know me historically, know my track record, see how I've dealt with different situations and they still want to be involved. That is a really good starting point for whatever is next. Yeah, I think that's it, isn't it? That's the testimony you want really is that, you know, if, if people will put money where their mouth is, then, you know, that's as much as you could ever take from it to be like... They see in you everything that you've thankfully recognised in yourself now. But I think certainly as a, as a friend and someone that has been lucky enough to get your advice along the way as well, that's something that I've always seen in you. And it's like, if she'll help me, that's like the best news ever because oh, she's so good at what she does. <laughs> and so that's, you know, but it is often you, we're all our own worst critic, right? So we mm. don't see it in ourselves. But I yeah. think also, you know, that that term imposter syndrome is quite relevant because I wasn't from a business background and my sort of first business just sort of happened, you know, saw an opportunity and it went from there. I've never really, you know, until I'm, you know, 20 years on, and have, having learned everything on the go didn't really give myself the credit for that yeah. because I just never felt like I was a credible business person because I didn't have an MBA and I didn't go down a corporate route and yeah. etc. So it's quite weird to then have you know that realisation. Although my children, I mean, ironically, my son, there was a bring a toy to school day that reminds you of you know something that you're you know something to do with your family. Yeah. And so Ace picked up a race car because Jack was filming a car program at the time. And he went into school and he said, they said, what have you bought? He said, oh, he told me this after. Um, I bought a race car because my daddy films cars and works with cameras and cars, is what he said. And they went, oh, what does your mummy do? And he went, my mummy buys clothes. <laughs> and they, they told me at the pickup. And I thought, oh, bloody hell, I've had two of my own businesses in 20 years. Like, seriously, like, I can't. But my son thinks I buy clothes. And, that, and then the thing, the teacher thought I was like a buyer or something because she thought like professionally. And I was like... 
No, no, no. He literally sees like, you know, he means, uh, an M&S an, delivery I, yeah. comes, you know, and he thinks that's what I do. It's like, oh, joy, great, you know. So I, really, I need well, to work I think on that. I'm going to give him some credit for that because what he means is it's so difficult to articulate what mummy does because she does so many jobs <laughs> that I'm just going to go with the one that makes the most sense to me right now. And that's you're, giving, you're being far too kind. Yeah. And he's like, she doesn't do anything, actually. Yeah. Oh, thanks. So I need, to, I need to, yeah, readdress that. Yeah. Do you find with... Um, I'm conscious of time now, but we're, um, with your relationship with the kids now, do you feel like that's sort of now you've kind of been able to move beyond some of the, the real challenges and stuff that you've been through? Do you feel like that's kind of working its way out and that you can kind of take a step forward now with that? Because I guess that must have been really challenging trying to balance those two. Yeah, I think I was probably like not the best version of the mum that I would like to be during that time. and But luckily children are so like forgiving, aren't they? And they're so... Yeah. Um, adaptable and stuff like obviously there was nothing horrendously bad I just think I was in a bad mood for quite a lot of time and just quite snappy and and really couldn't sort of focus as much on them and doing nice things with them but yeah now I think and also they're at really nice ages now they're three and a half and seven yeah and three and a half is super cute because you know they're talking fully but they say things wrong and it's really sweet and they're learning so much so fast and we've obviously had like the coronavirus year we're at home with both of them which was a challenge yeah. I love the homeschooling <laughs> um but um but yeah I know I do something on a Friday with Rafi on our own and we yeah. just do something nice like we go swimming or something and that's really nice because I know that won't last forever so yeah. I really enjoy that and I never beat myself up about the fact that like <clears throat> Friday he's with me and we just do something together yeah even if I just go supermarket with him it's re- we make it really fun and yeah. stuff so I'm definitely able to be you know a better mum to to the boys now and you know they're at a fun age where they're quite physical boys as well like they're like puppies they're literally jumping up at the door in the morning to get out so we kind of try and do a lot of like outdoor stuff with them Um, and that's yeah that I'm definitely in a mindset now where I can enjoy it appreciate it not be distracted and actually it's like you know that's quite a simple that's quite a simple um, enjoyment of time it's just doing stuff with a three and a seven year old whether it's a puzzle or whatever But it's difficult, you know, it's still difficult to compartmentalise something you might be thinking about for work or wanting to send an email about something important and then doing a puzzle with a seven-year-old. Yeah. You know, there is still always, I think, for every parent, and especially if you work for yourself, there is always that crossover of, you know, can you be in those two mindsets at once yeah. and you can't be, it's really difficult. So I don't think I'm ever going to kind of get it right, but I'll probably turn around and they'll be at university and I'll look back and think, well, I was a rubbish parent. I doubt but that. We, we all do that, don't we? we well, nobody's perfect and we're all learning. And actually, yeah. I think, um, you know, the, the best thing that we can all do is at least have the capacity to reflect and be open enough to look at ourselves in those times. And the one thing that, you know, the saving grace, I suppose, with all of this stuff that you've been through is that they are young enough that they probably won't remember yeah. a lot of it. Yeah. And actually that's a saving grace in some respects you know if they were teenagers going through it then that may have been much more complicated for all of you you know definitely um i guess the one thing is that they've they've, i'm sure they will have always felt loved and all that so it's you know they're again it's kind of being harsh on ourselves isn't it and saying oh i wish i'd have been better at that but i think we can all say that most days and life throws out that's what it does right yeah um but yeah in terms of advice you give to other people what was the, what was the one piece of advice you would give to somebody else so it's similar to what i was saying earlier and that i've only really realized very recently is like what my values are and how important they are to apply that to my life now and future so i would say this to my children i said to my i say it to myself all the time or to you know anyone who 
you know, you're having a discussion with about what they might want to do career-wise is work out what your values are. Yeah. So for me, like two of my things are um, integrity and creativity. Like they're really important to me. And I couldn't go into a business relationship or, you know, any kind of professional situation and not ensure that where I was going was true to, to those and the other values that I have. Yeah. Um, and I think you've come really unstuck if you compromise on those things because they are who you are yeah. and the minute you start to compromise on that for whatever reason it's you know it's just not going to be as successful or as healthy a relationship or as you know um, profitable or whatever like metrics you want to kind of apply to it yeah. because if you're not you know you know who you are once you work out who you are and you go you know you apply all the sort of experience that you've got you know from running businesses or from going through traumatic experiences you can sort of really think about that and then apply why you know people keep saying to me why are you fighting this legal case it's so stressful it's like you know it's nearly broken you in every sense and I had to really think about that and then it was like oh yeah because the situation that ensued is so against my values I cannot leave that I cannot put that down yeah because you know that's that wouldn't be true to who I am and who I I am and these values so basically i've got to see this through yeah i think once you realize that and accept that then it makes everything a bit clearer so i think i'd say to my children or anyone like you know when once you realize what's important to you you know they don't have to be conv- you know convoluted co- complex concepts or whatever it's just literally a few key words that you're like oh right okay these this really matters to me because yeah, yeah. i am then everything else that you do thereafter becomes much clearer. And I'd say that to my kids, whether it's the people that you become friends with at school. You know? yeah. There's always those friends when you were younger where you were kind of friends with them, but they weren't particularly like kind or whatever. And they didn't were made, fit. Yeah, and they yeah. didn't really fit. And it's probably and you knew a mindset. It, right? You're you like, yeah. yeah. But you don't know when you're seven or whatever why. Yeah. But actually like now I think, oh, that's why. Yeah. So, you know, I think the more we can kind of apply that in every personal and professional sense, the sort of healthier it a more sort of satisfying life can be yeah well i think that's a very apt point in which to end it so thank you very much for coming pleasure. on today it's been a pleasure to have you and um yeah come join us again next week for next week's born human podcast it that's it for this week's born human podcast a huge thank you to lucy for sharing her journey with us it was amazing to chat to her obviously i she is a friend of mine so i I do know her journey but i think what really struck me in our conversation was seeing how common those kind of struggles can be when she talks about breastfeeding her child while on a conference call i'm sure she's not the first and won't be the last woman that's had to do that and taking choices about whether we're able to be honest and be open about that or whether we kind of hide away from that feeling like it leaves us looking weak or less capable as a result. The honest truth is that we are human and if reasonably people assume that we might have family then those kind of things are real and I think the more we can create a normalisation around those kind of things the better. I think it also inspired me to think about the amount of adversity she's been through and the amount of resilience she's had to have to kind of find a way through it. 
when we talk about doing our own thing, it always feels really glamorous, but quite often that's not always the case. Quite often the glamorous bit in, in any walk of life, really, is often minuscule in comparison to the amount of hard work and effort that needs to go into these things. So I'm really grateful for Lucy sharing her very real and honest story. And, yeah, I hope for you guys it's been relatable and connectable and I'm sure for many of you whether you're a mum or a dad I think there's a lot of common ground in there so thank you for taking the time to join us today please share like subscribe do all that good stuff and we'll see you on the next Bon Humour podcast